and other sufferers. We talked about that last week. Enough troubles. Didn't have a question mark on it, but we were looking at a psalm that had a phrase in there, my soul has had enough troubles. And I've been sitting heavily in the psalms lately. Boy, there is so much meat just in one phrase. Been borrowing a lot of Scott Byers' Bible bites because he's been, he just takes a phrase or maybe one verse and uh, opens up some application, some takeaways, take home, and they've just been fascinating to me, and I'm trying to convey that to you because there's something in every little corner of God's Word that benefits us, whether it's appreciation or whether it's something we can apply practically in our lives. And I'll tell you what Psalm we'll be looking at here in just a moment, but I want to ask you something. Have you ever seen a piece of furniture or artwork and you think, that is so-and-so style? That looks like something they would have in their house. It's kind of like this picture here. <clears throat> Let me show you one. This is a painting that was hanging until this morning in my house. Pretty nice, huh? Now, how would you describe this painting? Classic? Traditional? Uncle Ted back there would say that's a masterpiece. You know why? It says Ted Fair down here. He painted it. <laughs> yeah. It was in his house at one time, now it's in mine. So how do you describe it? Traditional, classical, boring? That, that describes my personality, doesn't it? How would you describe it, Ted, besides a masterpiece? Nice try. Nice try. <laughs> yeah. Well, so that painting, did that hang in your house at one time? Yes. And now it's in mine. So that, that tells you a little bit about our personalities. Well, I tell you what, I was going to say that. That tells something about my household's personality because there's plenty of dust on it. And that tells us that, tells you that it's in my room. Yeah, Kelly says, it's in your office. That's not my forte. I'm not good at dusting, but she's even worse. So, <laughs> and she'll admit that. She does not like to dust. Okay, I'm worse at it. She doesn't like it got to get these things right or there'll be strife and turmoil, <laughs> right? Yeah, I'm going to op open mouth, insert foot, whoop, we got to get this open here. So, where's the, uh, all right, okay. Is it obeying me? All right, so everyone has their own unique style. Here's another painting. What's the style of this painting? What fits whom? Carm. He's not here today. You know why that fits his style? He painted that one. Is that correct? Yeah. Uh, I heard the word abstract. Um, I was wondering if abstract it really describes that. There's another term, and I could not think of it or find it. But there is some realism in it. What's another one? 
Impressionistic. Okay. I like abstract because that does describe Carm's personality <laughs> to me. Yeah. A little abstract. Uh, this, this is a unique painting because you can turn it horizontal and it still gives you a unique look, right? <laughs> so everyone has their own unique style. You ought to suggest that to Carm. Yeah, he might like, like it horizontal. Whereas when you do that with this one, doesn't quite work the same, right? So paintings, furniture, reflect a person's style. You, know, you say, wow, that looks like something they would have in their house. Everyone has their own unique style, and a home reflects a person's personality. Isn't that right? Usually, it reflects a person's personality. Like this home, that's a dark picture. That kind of reminds me of Carm's home. It is Carm's home. Does it reflect Carm's personality? Square? <laughs> See, I can say these things because he's not here. Man, I wish he was. <laughs> Rectangular. Structured. Clean. Does it reflect Gina's personality? No. <laughs> she wouldn't have built that, but she made it her home. Now that's a whole nother subject, husbands and wives and marriage. <laughs> and how they get along and work together. Even though this may not be Gina's first choice of a home, this reflects Carm's likes and dislikes in, in art and, and reflects his personality to a certain degree. Turn with me now to uh, Psalm 93. Psalm 93 there's a lot of description of the Lord and His majesty. Verse 1, for example, The Lord reigns. He is clothed with majesty. The Lord is clothed and girded Himself with strength. Indeed, the world is firmly established. It will not be moved. Now, you keep going down. It's not very big, but I'm just going to drop down to the fifth verse. Your testimonies are fully confirmed. Holiness befits your house, O Lord, forevermore. New International, I believe, uses the word adorns. Holiness adorns your house, O Lord. Holiness fits Jehovah's home and Jehovah's house, and it's replete and complete with holiness. Now, this is an illustration of a physical house, the temple that Solomon built. Now, before that, this was patterned after the tent or the tabernacle that they hauled around in the wilderness and later set up at Shiloh. Anybody know how long it was sitting in Shiloh? 300-ish years. 300-ish years there. And it was, had a particular design and pattern, didn't it? Inside was the holy place, keyword holy, and then the most holy. God was emphasizing holiness, and he was emphasizing his character of holiness. And even Solomon recognized that God cannot stuff himself into a physical building like this, but it gives us an idea, and it was impressing his people back then, approach your God with holiness. And there's a lot of things they needed to do. The priests did. They, priest means one who is qualified to offer acceptable sacrifices to the Lord. 
And that's, that's pretty much what went on here. Sacrifices and blood, we'll get to that later, was brought into his house. Holiness, it kind of scares us sometimes, that word, doesn't it? Just think of the word set apart or separate. God does, does, has never desired that, he be, that we be segregated from him. And matter of fact, it's just the opposite. He wants to be a part of us and we a part of him together in his presence. But it's a certain thing, quote unquote, that separates us from him because he is separated and set apart from a certain thing, and that is sin, right? Sin and transgression cannot dwell in his presence. He doesn't participate in that. So we've got some words that describe our Lord and his house. You can, you can get a picture of his characteristics by looking at his house, and it contains purity, sacredness. That's really a tightly related word to holy, holiness, sacred, sanctity, reverence, righteousness, truth. All these things are his style. So, brethren, you're going to find these things where? In his house. Okay? What, what behavior fits holiness? Because we're in a minute we're going to make the connection that we are his house. So if we are his house, what behavior befits holiness and how should we behave? I've got a snapshot of a few practical exhortations of the Spirit who wrote through Paul. And here's an example. Is it in your family news? It's going to be point B there of major point one. What behavior fits holiness? Here's an example, Ephesians 5, 3 through 5. Daniel, if you could stand up and read that. And what translation do you have? Okay, that'll work. <laughs> Okay, how, how are we doing with that one? It helps if you turn there and read it with Daniel. There must be no filthiness or si silly talk, because that's not proper among saints is what he's saying. No filthiness or silly talk. I didn't research the word silly, what the original Greek in there. I know I've, I'll confess, I've participated in that in my lifetime. Coarse jesting. I've probably laughed at work in my 20 years of work in the printing industry where you're working with a bunch of coarse guys. I've probably fallen into laughing at jokes, usually because I didn't get them. <laughs> coarse jesting, usually filthy, dirty jokes fall into that category. They're not fitting, but replace that with giving of thanks. For you know with certainty that no immoral or impure person or covetous person has an inheritance in the kingdom. Now, I didn't assign 1 Thessalonians 5.22 to Daniel because I can read that. Abstain from every form of evil. How are we doing with that one? How about Colossians 3.5-9, Daniel? 
Yep. Sure. Brethren, do you see how these characteristics are, are befitting the Lord's house if we practice them? Because they are, we might say, holy practices. They are set apart and pleasing to the Lord. The things like filthiness and silly, silly talk and coarse jesting and immorality and passion and evil desire and greed, those things don't belong in the Lord's house. Neither does anger and wrath and malice and slander and abusive speech. Now those hit home, don't they? We often say, well, uh, when I'm in with brethren or when I'm with, at work or I'm in the community, I don't do any of that. I don't, get, I don't let my anger get out of control or wrath or I don't have any ill will towards anyone and I don't speak evil of anyone and no abusive speech from my mouth. Well, how about when you get home? Uh, uh, how about to your family and your wife and your kids? Oh, oh well, that's, they're just part of my life. They, I'm sure that doesn't bother them. I bring this up because I've known, especially men, Christian men, who live in two lives. Christians, turn with me to 1 Peter 2.5. Peter's describing believers here, children of God. Verse 4, and coming to him, 1 Peter 2.4, coming to him as to living stone, he is a living stone which has been rejected by men, but he's choice and precious in the sight of God. You also, as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. See how Peter's using stones as an illustration? Stones was a building material back in his day. This happens to be an example in Capernaum, which happens to be where Peter lived. Matter of fact, out of your picture, whoop, out of your picture to the right is what is considered Peter's house, possibly. To the left and kind of towards me is the synagogue there in Capernaum. And these are foundations. See all these rooms? So you got a picture of stone walls coming up from them. They didn't have dimensional lumber like we did. This is the building material. How many stones are in that picture? <laughs> Tons of stones. So Peter's using that because they could relate to that. They built their homes out of stone. And he's saying, you are stones. You are living stones. So we, individual Christians, are living stones, building up whose house? Jehovah's house. And that's the point. So we as people should be befitting or adorning the Lord's house with 
holy behavior. Amen? We should befit the Lord's house. Christians are living stones. This is a house for God to live in. Us. I'm, I'm not talking about this. I'm talking about you and me. So we ask ourselves some questions. Would my life belong in his home? These are kind of tough. I mean, thought-provoking. Would my life belong in his home? Can you answer that? Does my life fit in the framework of his living spaces? Where do I belong? Specifically, where does my lifestyle say I belong? Can, can you answer those? Where does my lifestyle say I belong? You know, folks, when we're on this topic of holiness and we connect it with God, I think we get tripped up here. <clears throat> we... we Consider God, and we think God is holy. God does not dwell with sin. He does not participate in sin. It's not in his presence. He is sinless. Would that be accurate? God is sinless. So we, we have a tendency to translate that into, into 1 Peter. Uh, what verse do I want? 1. We've been in uh, 1 Peter 2. Go back to 1 Peter 1 and verse 14. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in ignorance, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves in all your behavior, because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. So Peter's quoting from probably three places in Leviticus where the Lord told them back there, his people, Israel, be holy, for I am holy. Now, I, I think we stumble on this sometimes. We think, well, the Lord is holy, He is sinless, so our entire focus and goal in life is to be sinless. What's the problem with that? That ship has sailed. <laughs> it's too late. What's the first verse you turn to? Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We beat ourselves up because we make that their goal. I had a discussion on Facebook one time with a fellow who said he, he was pointing to the reason Jesus was perfect. Jesus was perfect and sinless himself, God in the flesh, so that he could be an example to you and me to be sinless. And I couldn't keep my big mouth shut. Imagine that. He, he said, I said to him, this is on Facebook, I said to him, uh, is that the reason he was perfect? To be an example for us to be sinless and perfect? Or was he perfect and complete to be that perfect, unblemished lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world? That's why he's perfect. And, he's, and he said, well, why shouldn't our goal be to be perfect and sinless? And I can't remember if I responded to that or not. The reason that can't be our goal is because we as humans tend to prop that up and make our whole lives centered around and focused on making ourselves look good and look right. And having this checklist, well, look at, look at what I've done. I'm almost perfect. We get to the point where we're going, we are going to nullify the grace of God. Amen? 
Let's not go that way. I've seen too many Christians beat themselves up trying to be perfect and sinless, whereas what they need to be do, doing is serving that precious Lamb of God and thanking Him for the wonderful gift of the grace of God. And this is where we get nervous and we get, we say, oh, givens, what you're saying is it doesn't really matter whether, sin, whether we sin or not. It's not important. Well, who takes care of that? Romans 6. What does Romans 6, 1 say? What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? So to put your mind at ease, folks, let's memorize 1 John 1, 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from what? All sin. That's right. You know what? We, we read from, uh, Daniel read from Ephesians and Colossians. There was one in Thessalonians. Romans is like this. Paul writes very practical things. The way that we can live in order to shine our holiness and serve him in holiness. But you know, most of his letters, the front part of his letters, you know what they deal with? Teaching that's establishing that Christ is the Son of God. The focus is on Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, that wonderful gift. And then he says, that's why you live this way, because you belong to the King. And he's proven how Jesus is the King, mainly through the resurrection. Isn't that beautiful when you read through his letters? It's just astounding. Here we're back to this. What befits the Lord's house? Purity, sacredness, reverence, righteousness, truth. They are, they are his style. You know what else is his style? This right here. Loving kindness and peace are also his style. You recall two weeks ago, we were in Psalm 85, verse 10. Does anybody remember what that said? Psalm 85, 10. Loving kindness and truth have met together. What's the other part of the verse? Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Beautiful picture there. Loving kindness and peace, they of course go together. Truth and righteousness are coupled together, but all four of them are integral in an individual's life, a community's life, a, a nation's life. They're the fabric of life. And righteousness and truth demand fairness and justice. And we spend a lot of time on that. What if society, society does not have fairness and justice? What is that like to live in? It's horrible. But you know what, brethren? It's even more horrible without these two things. And these two things, you could split that. Uh, the NIV actually says, wherever the, the New American says loving kindness, it says love. Love and peace, remember, are two of the fruits of the Spirit. You put all the fruits of the Spirit together, that's what we need to be focusing on and concentrating on. That's, that's where the focus needs to be. You, and I, I haven't heard anybody who can explain to me that you can overdo those two things. You can't really, can't really overdo righteousness and truth. God can't anyway. We can because we can say, we can get arrogant and say, well, I've reached it. 
I've got all the truth, and we can turn righteousness into self-righteousness pretty easily and pretty quickly, right? That's the danger, and that's what we need to be aware of. But these other things here, loving kindness, love, peace, self-control, gentleness, that against these things there is no law. Loving kindness and peace are his style. Kindness is the act of doing something that goes beyond fair play, goes beyond the justice and the fairness. Forgiveness, and you say, hold the phone, where was that in Psalm 85? It's an attribute of peace because it seeks peace and rec reconciliation even when it means suffering a loss to do so. So this was a key, key verse two weeks ago. Not verse, but a key thought. Only the Bible reveals a righteous God who hates wickedness, hates sin, hates transgression, but is also willing to die to offer peace and reconciliation. In other words, he is the true picture of what love is all about, correct? Because God is what? Love. Amen. Loving kindness and truth have met each other. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Can you tell it's becoming, fast becoming one of my favorite, favorite, favorite psalms. Now let me, let me illustrate this right here. Right there. Uh, I watched a program with Kelly the other day, a couple weeks ago. It was about a young man, at the time I think he was in his late teens, and he was going to meet his family for a vacation and it was raining hard, he's driving his car, and it went out of control, and he killed a young woman in another car. There's a wreck, she died. He went through, was it three trials? At least three trials, and they were hung juries. The third one, all through these trials it was determined, yeah, he admitted he had his phone on his lap, I believe. But he said he wasn't looking at it. Of course, how does the family of the dead, deceased girl feel about all this? They're probably not believing a word he says, are they? <laughs> and there was the, the, the hard rain and everything. It turns out he was fined $25. It was a hung jury. He was fined $25. And the case was dismissed. Now, how, how do you think the family of the girl felt? She was in her early 20s. Of course, they're devastated. Of course, they're seeking what? Justice and fairness and righteousness. And where's the truth? And five years are going by, and they don't realize that the, the young man and his mom are trying to get a hold of them. They want to meet together. And so this show, you know the people in the show, that you know TV, they dramatize everything and they make it real dramatic and who knows how much play acting was going on in here I, I take it that there wasn't any that it, or, or may have been some but when they actually met together the mom of the deceased girl agreed after a lot of talk and consternation and tears to meet with the mom of the young man and the young man himself so the mom talks with the deceased girl's mom and says We've been trying to get a hold of you, and they wouldn't let us, things like that. 
she set the stage, and then the sun comes in, and the camera's showing them, they come together, and they just hug. For a long time. That young man, he was an A student before the accident. Uh, he seemed to be in good behavior and everything. And afterwards, he got into drugs and alcohol. I mean, you're not surprised, right? He just poof, took a dive. But the mom of the deceased girl hugged him. Of course, they were crying like crazy. <laughs> Makes me go that way. They, they, and they, you can see the picture that... Although they, the family of the girl, were seeking justice and truth, they reached out in loving kindness and forgiveness. The mom didn't haul off and punch him in the nose. She didn't throw him out the window. They reconciled. Is there any aspects in your life where you, you could put that into play, something like that? I mean, I hope that tragedy never happens in your life, but even in the little things. Exercise forgiveness, loving kindness, and peace. Colossians 5, 12 through 14. Can you turn there with us? Colossians 5, we're going to conclude with this, this right here. Oh, that means, uh, I think I meant three. Do I mean three? Okay. Colossians three. So then, those who have been chosen of God, holy, there's our word holy. Yeah, change this five to a three. Holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion. How many lessons have I had lately on the compassion of Jesus? That's one I, I want to drive this home, folks, without making it odious. Kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. There's a lot of fruits of the spirits in, in there, right? Galatians 5. Bearing with one another, forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. So, brethren, does love befit your house? You are in the house of God. Do you befit and adorn God's house with these characteristics? The love, the forgiveness, the peace, the gentleness, the kindness, the self-control. Do you befit the house of God? If your life is a life of hypocrisy and a contradiction, this is a spiritual family right now. Let's come before us right now, make it known somehow, one of the elders and myself, and change you are capable of change. That is Christ's invitation to you this morning. Walk in the light. Continue to walk in the light. Let's sing the song that uh, Mo has selected. I'm going to read Galatians 6.14. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me 
and I to the world. Have you been crucified to the world? Let's continue to walk in the light. Let's stand and sing.